Well, part two of our series called Detox is a great series that we've been in for a week now, and it's a great series that a lot of churches have done around the nation, and uh, different types of series, and we're borrowing a lot of this series from Pastor Chris Hodges, who's a spiritual father to us here, and um, he's just an incredible guy. But I, here's my prayer. I'm praying that this series would give you the tools to go into this next season, because this next season is critical. This next season is, is really mission critical that that we step into it healthy and whole. How many know you can go into the right season in the wrong time and it be the wrong season? So it's important that we go in healthy and whole and ready to go. And it's a natural growth season for us. A lot of new people are coming back and checking the church out. And a lot of old people are coming back to church because everybody's going back to school and going back to the grind. And so what happens is we have a lot more people that are just ready to make a decision to put God first again. A lot of new people coming, which also equates to more salvations. Get this. you got to get ready to clap on this one a lot. You ready for this? Last Sunday, we had 199 people give their life to Jesus Christ and make a decision to follow God. Isn't that great? 199. You say, why did you count? Because every number represents a soul. Every number represents a family, a person. And, and so God is, God is moving here. And as we go back to school, back to back to the grind. I want to encourage you, the church as it grows even more in this season, maybe some of you could consider going to the 5 p.m. service. That would really help free up some spots and seats and parking. And here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to to love Jesus enough to sleep in. (laughs) Give some room and for some guests who, because that's when they come. Guests always come during the nine or 11 o'clock service. And Nine was just about as packed as this, and five o'clock, there's a little room there. So if for a season, maybe some of you could do that. And I'm actually even going to ask you, when you park, we always provide parking for our guests, for first-time guests, because we don't want them to be like, man, they don't have room for us, and I, pr- I pray that they appreciate that. We park way down on the other side of the parking lot. Don't park in front of Staples or any other stores. Park behind Staples or maybe way behind on the other side of Big Five down, and I'm telling you, that frees up spots on this side for guests because what would be worse than a guest coming and not feeling like there's room? Know what I'm saying? How many love Jesus enough to participate in that? All right, okay. So I'm praying for a lot of us to do that because this is a great season for us. It's a natural growth season. We've been thinking about recalibrating because two different types of the, two times in the year, we do extended times of prayer. One is in January where it's prayer and fasting for 21 days. Serious. Here in August, we do 21 days of prayer, but we do that in combination with eating large quantities of food. How many love that a whole lot better? So today, we, we, we start 21 days of prayer. Everybody's going to get these bracelets that says pray first on your way out today by the uh, exit doors. They'll be there, and you can grab one to just remind yourself to pray first. And what we're doing is we're asking you, to, whatever your prayer life looks like, let's, let's beef that up a notch. Let's pray. Let's communicate to God. Let's talk to him. That's what prayer is. It's real simple. You don't have to pray in King James, English, thee, thou, thou, thee. You just talk to God. And what's really cool, because we have our own building now, we can do this. This, this week, this week only, from Monday through Friday, we're going to have a 6 a.m. prayer meeting right in this room. So some of you are like, God's not up that early. But he is. And many of you, I know you commute far away, but if you can make it tomorrow all the way through Friday, even if you can't stay for the whole hour, come for the time you can. We want to pray and seek God for this next season and pray for our friends and family members that don't know God yet, that you're praying that they come to know God by the end of this year. 
I mean, it's going to be amazing. And you just watch as we're detoxing and putting God first what happens in our life. So coming out of this new summer, I mean, the summer slump, it's scary because sometimes we do things that we, we, we start things that we shouldn't have started. We stop things that we shouldn't have stopped. And we just need to re-aim a little bit. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back on our website and watch the message to kind of catch us up to speed. But here's what the word detox means. It means the removal of toxins from your body. The removal of toxins from your body. Well, there's a lot of other areas of our life other than our body that needs some cleansing. How many, by a show of hands, you hate doing dishes? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Come on, come on. How many love them? You just love it. Like, that's your thing. Like, dishes, give me dishes. There's a couple of you. Come over to our house. Don't you hate going to, like, the kitchen to get a bowl, to have a bowl of cereal, and when you get there, there are no clean bowls. So what do you do? You don't clean a bowl. You use a cup. And then you go and look for a spoon. And there are no clean spoons. What do you do? You don't wash a spoon. You use a fork. Come on, how many have ever eaten Fruit Loops with a fork, somebody? Me included. That was, how lazy are we that we can't take a paper towel and wash a spoon, ladies and gentlemen? This is pathetic. But they pile up, man. They just have a way of piling up. It doesn't matter. You, there's a sense of pride. When you complete your dishes, you're like, Shh, high five self. You know, just, I, we did it. I did it. You look around, but you give it an hour. <laughs> you give it to the end of the day, and you have another pile there. It's crazy how they just pile up so fast, and there's just, there's just like a monster. Who, who are these people that live here? How many would like a, like a dirty dish genie? Just come in, just, mm, and it's all done, clean, put away. That'd be great. But we don't have that. And you got to stay on top of it because if you don't, they pile up. And here's what I found. The sooner you address the dirty dishes, the easier it is to wash. The longer you wait, the harder it is to address. If you don't believe me, try getting spaghetti off of Tupperware after three days. Have you ever tried to do that? That stuff's not coming. You might, might as well just throw it away. But that's why your parents say, rinse your plate because they know. If it sets in, it's a little bit harder to address. All the parents look at your kids and say, amen, that's what I've been trying to tell you. (laughs) So here today, I want to talk to you about this because most of the time when we think of cleaning or detoxifying ourselves, we stop at body, like just do our body. Like I'm doing a cleanse. Let's let's all do a cleanse together. Let's cleanse our colons. Like, first of all, that's too much information. I don't need that information here on a Sunday morning. But we cleanse our bodies, and that's great. I guess that's important with all the junk that we ingest. But here's the truth of the matter. You're a triune being. You're made up of body, soul, and spirit. So we all have other stuff that creeps into our soul and our spirit that, that pollutes us as well. Your body is the flesh side of you, the flesh and blood and the, the desires of your body. And then also the, the soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And your spirit is your, the spirit part of you that's going to live forever. Well, we have to be in a spot where we can cleanse all of this stuff. And last week, we talked about cleansing the spirit. Today, I want to talk to you about detoxifying the soul. And again, we have to get some stuff in our life that flushes out the bad. Remember last week, I had an illustration on stage, a cup of soda. And I said, there's a couple ways you could, in, you could like, get rid of the soda. One, you could just pour it out, and then it's empty. Who wants to be empty, though? Or you can flush it, and I put clear, pure water and just flushed all the soda out until nothing was left but pure water. I'm telling you, a lot of you have a wrong perception of God in church. You think if I come to church, they're just going to tell me to stop everything. And that's what you feel in some churches. Like, 
They ought to just have a, a big old sign that says, no, you can't do anything. I'm not telling you to stop anything. I'm telling you, open up your life to God. Open up your life to Jesus and allow him to come in and it will flush everything out. You won't, you'll turn around and say, I can't even believe it. That just, I'm no longer this because you've been made brand new. So let's look at 2 Corinthians, our theme verse for this series. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. Paul is writing this and he was a Christian hater, a Christian killer. And his life was radically changed one day by, by the power of God. And he would go on to be the greatest missionary this world's ever known, propagating the gospel. He says this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That word yoke in the Greek means koinonia. It doesn't mean egg yoke, and it doesn't mean that you went to the gym and now you are. <laughs> Don't be yoked together. How come I can't work out with? No, it's, it means closeness. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. And then he goes on, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Well, the answer is nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Look on the screen. Here's the rest of it. We couldn't fit it all in your, in your notes this week. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's the devil or demons. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So if you're looking for a spouse, it's probably really strong. It's really encouraged that you, that you look for somebody who's going the same way as you. What, 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 is, what business do we have linking up with somebody who's not going the same way? Or He says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Read this next statement out loud together. Here we go. For we are the temple of the living God. If you grew up in church, you grew up feeling and being told that this is the sanctuary. Okay, let me newsflash. This is not the sanctuary. You're the sanctuary. Three of you understand that. God... Like, people come in here and like, this place is holy. I can't do stuff in here. Take your hat off. Don't chew gum in here. Don't you run in. This is the house of God. How many ever got in trouble for running in, in church? Anybody? Yeah, I did too, man. I don't even understand that. God, does, he's not so much interested in living in here. He wants to live in you. So if you wouldn't, there's some of us, we would never do certain things in the church because this is the church. Well, if you wouldn't do them here, don't do them inside of you. Because you're the temple of the living God. That's what Paul is saying. So let's read on. He says, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God. This is an amazing statement. And they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. I will receive you, and I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is crazy. Our God, the creative universe, wants to be our God and intimately involved in our lives. Therefore, since we have these promises. What promises? The fact that he wants to be our God. The fact that he wants to make us right with him. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. Underline this phrase. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So today, as we look at this, I want to encourage you to understand that many of us, we want to be close to God, but we feel like he's distant right now. Maybe you're in a slump. Maybe... Maybe times got rough. Maybe you got a little off track. And, and you hear that God wants to be close to you. And like, I, I want that too. But I don't feel that. I feel distant from God. Well, chances are there's been some stuff that's come into your soul, that's polluted your soul, that's contaminated your spirit. And, and, and now it's time to, to deal with that. Well, how do I do it, Sean? How do I do it? Well, first of all, you come to Jesus. That's step one. That's last week. Step one is give your life to God. Trust him for salvation. He's going to forgive you and cleanse you. But then he tells us, I want you to understand that you have the power now to purify yourself. 
like to get some stuff out of your life. He purifies us from sin, but there's other stuff that comes and tries to attach itself to us, and we have the power. That's why Paul says, let us purify ourselves, because there's toxins that have come in, and now we feel like I'm not as close to God as I'd like to be. Well, what, what's, what's, what's the idea? Like, how close have you been to him versus the other stuff in the world? So Paul's coming along, and he's saying, let's deal with this, and today as we look at the soul, Psalm 42 says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Remember, your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. Say that with me. Mind, will, emotions. Why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Message paraphrase, the next verse says this. Why are you so down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crown, crying the blues? Like, how many have ever felt that? Like, you, you're, you're going in life, but you just, there's something wrong, man. You, you feel it. You don't feel close to God. You, you, you know about him. You love him. But, man, there's just not anything that, that speaks of closeness. And I want to talk to you about why we feel that sometimes. It's because we've allowed stuff into our lives. Number one, write this down. This is a toxin that hurts a lot of people. It's this. It's unforgiveness. Write that on your notes. Write in your notes. Unforgiveness. This is bitterness. This is offense. This is wounds that you refuse to give to God. You harbor them. You keep them. And here's what we do. Here's what we do. When somebody hurts us, we think, I'm going to get them back. How are you going to do it? I'm going to stay mad at them forever. And they go on with their lives, and they don't remember it. It doesn't bother them, but it's destroying you. One person said it like this. That it would be like you, bitterness is this. It's like you setting yourself on fire and expecting the other person to die of smoke inhalation. I'm going to get you back. Watch this. Ha! That's a dumb idea. But that's what bitterness does. That's what unforgiveness does. It destroys you. And that's why Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, say bitter root, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile. Okay, on this stage, I have a couple props today. And this, these are weeds. Okay, these are weeds from my yard. I'm not proud of that. Don't judge me. But this is a tiny weed. It doesn't look too, too, too harmful. It's just a tiny weed. Look how small the root is, right? Well, how many have ever had a weed in your yard that you walk by and you, it's just small. You look at it and you're like, I should pick that. But you don't because you're busy. You think, I'll get to it next week. I'll get to it ne- next week after that. I'll, get, I'll do that next month. I'll hire somebody to do that. And you don't do that. Come away at me if I'm talking to anybody in the room. <laughs> well, this little thing is easy to pull out. That grows into this thing believe it or not. A little deeper root. This is a little harder to pull out today. The top is not much bigger, but the roots go deeper. Causes problems. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that this also is a weed from my yard. Listen, it was one of these at one time. I'm not joking. It was one of these on the side of our house where we never go. We never address that side of the yard because no one sees it. Come on, somebody. So we had, we had this weed growing. I don't even know how long. I walked back there. I was like, we have a tree. Where did this tree come from? I literally had to saw this down with a chainsaw, ladies and gentlemen. This is bitterness and unforgiveness. If you deal with it fast, it's a whole lot easier to pull out. If you weigh and weigh, it's harder to address. Ladies and gentlemen, I cut this thing down, or I paid somebody to do it. I had somebody else cut this thing down. 
I don't even have a chainsaw. Okay, we, ha- we cut this thing down, but listen, we still haven't dealt with the root. It's going to come back. I have dealt with the fruit, but I never dealt with the root. And there's a lot of people that look at bitterness and unforgiveness, and they see it when it's small, but they don't do anything. And the Bible says you've got to watch that, man. That bitterness, that, that, that resentment, it's going to grow up into your life. Don't let it take root. Don't let the soil of your heart be so receptive to bitterness that it even takes root. You know you can plant a plant in the wrong kind of soil, and it won't take. It'll reject it. Well, when bitterness comes, when unforgiveness comes, don't accept it. Don't have that type of soil in your heart that accepts it and just harbors it and and feeds on it. Reject it so it can't grow because the Bible, excuse me, the Bible says that you, you will have a bitter root that will grow up, and it will cause you all kinds of trouble, and it will defile you. Are you hearing me? It'll defile you. This is, this is the word of God. Some of you have, you've struggled with this your entire life. You've struggled with not sure if God is close. You feel like God's distant and you never made the connection with bitterness and unforgiveness. I'm telling you, it'll give you trouble. Trouble, trouble. It'll give you more trouble. So what do we do? You got to let it go. You have to forgive as unto Christ. You forgive them as unto Christ. Well, it's not fair. Listen, I didn't say what they did was okay. Forgiveness is not saying what they did was okay. It was wrong. We all agree it was wrong. But forgiveness is this. God gave me this vision. I was, I was on top of a building, and this is my vision, because I was asking about unforgiveness, and I felt like the Lord said, this is what bitterness and unforgiveness looks like. It looks like me on a 46-story building. I'm not sure why it was 46 stories. But I was in San Francisco, and I had a rope around my waist, and I had a piano on the other side. And this is what he said. Bitterness and unforgiveness is this. It's, it's like this. It's pulling you over. You think, I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to let it go. It's, it's going to kill you. And many of us are not willing to forgive because we think, they don't deserve it. I don't want to give them anything. And this is what the Lord told me. He said that forgiveness is not so much giving them something, it's releasing something. It's releasing it because it's going to pull you over. You're going to die with it, ladies and gentlemen. you got to let this go. you got to forgive. And it's not saying that it's fair. By the way, on top of that, how many are grateful that God didn't wait for everything to be fair before he forgave us? Come on, is there anybody grateful in the room that God forgave us in our sinful state? He didn't wait for us to get right or get a certain level of righteousness. He forgave us, the Bible says in Romans 5 eight, that while we were sinners, Christ still died for us. Ephesians goes on to further elaborate in verse chapter 4. I don't like this verse. Chapter 4, is that okay to say as a pastor? You'll understand in a minute. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of it. Brawling. Who still does that? Dude, I'm gonna, you want to brawl right now? <laughs> Get rid of it. Slander along with every form of malice. Watch this, watch this. Here's the antithesis. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Here's why I don't like it. Forgiving one another, comma. How many wish there was a period right there? Because then I can forgive you based on how I feel and deem that you deserve forgiveness. There is a comma. And when I say I don't like it, I just mean it's difficult to do. Forgive one another just as, with the same measure as, in the same way as Christ as in Christ, God forgave your behind. 
That last phrase is not in the original Greek. I threw that in there. In the same way that God forgave you, forgive others. That's hard. But it's a toxin. It comes in your life, and if you want to be free, you've got to learn to forgive. Number two, write this down. Comparison is another toxin in our soul. Comparison. We start to compare ourselves to other people. We're comparing everything. We're looking at them. I'm telling you, this will mess you up. There's an identity crisis in our culture right now. Such a, a big crisis that we are not getting our identity from the one who created us. We're getting our identity from Instagram. We're looking at other people. We're comparing ourselves to other people. And, and we've allowed culture to determine and define what love looks like. We've allowed culture to define what sexuality looks like. And I'm, t- I'm telling you, my heart breaks for people who are confused in this area because they've, we've, we've all done it. We've compared ourselves to other people. Pretty soon we're, 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 we're acting something we're not. Listen, I'm telling you, James, the half-brother of Jesus, comes in and kind of lays it out. And he says this in chapter 3, verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, envy is like you want something. Selfish ambition, you're, you're putting your needs before others. If you want something, you have this in your heart, don't boast about it and don't deny the truth either. Such quote-unquote wisdom, it's not really wisdom, but that kind of thinking is not come down from heaven, but it's earthly. As a matter of fact, not just earthly, it's unspiritual. It's not just unspiritual, it's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Imagine this, selfish ambition, envy, they form a wedge, and the enemy, the devil, is trying to, trying to wedge that in your heart. And a wedge is small at first. You don't address it because it's small. But the more it's pounded in, it winds it up. And it, just picture this, behind the wedge, ev- all of hell, all the demonic realm, every evil practice is waiting behind there, waiting to pounce in as soon as your heart is open, as soon as your soul is open, as soon as the, the guard's down, they're just waiting. It comes in primarily through this envy, through selfish ambition, through unforgiveness. It hurts your soul. And what, 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 what happens is we're focused on other people. We're looking at everybody else. Envy is you, you want something, but you don't have it. And so your soul gets sick. You're comparing yourself to other people. You're thinking, man, if I could just be that person, if I could just be that person, everything would be better. I'm telling you, they have issues too. You just don't see it on Instagram. Nobody could be you but you. Stop trying to be somebody else. Be you. God created you. He has a purpose for you. Listen, why would you, why would you settle for being a carbon copy when you can be a great original? God has an amazing plan for your life. Do you. But this comes from us getting out of the comparison trap. And some of you should think about doing a, maybe even a six-day social media fast. And all the students are like, Mom, we have to find a new church. <laughs> we do this six days. Last week, we gave you a bunch of things to try for six days. I hope many of you are doing it. Six days. Give me six days. Do like a, If you feel like you need this, do a social media fast. And instead of looking at other people, what the world says about you, why don't you begin to read what God says about you and see what, God, what, what would happen. Here's another one. Unforgiveness, comparison. Write this down. Here's a big toxin that gets in our soul and keeps us from feeling close to God. Write this down. It's anger. Anger. So many people are so mad. If you don't believe me, get on the freeway yourself and have a look. So many people, and there's two types of people, two types of angry people. There's a type that blows up in front of people. 
Like you're, 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 you might be that person. Like you're not going to be quiet. You're going to tell them about yourself. You're going to tell them about their self. You're going to tell them. Because I got to be real. Can't be fake, Sean. Can't be fake. Well, okay. There's also something called discretion. But then there's a, another group of us on the other side where we get angry and we don't tell somebody off. We stuff it. Come on, how many stuffers in the room? Stuffers, stuffers, stuffers. You stuff it. Well, that's not any better because you stuff, your, you stuff it, you stuff it. You can only stuff for so long. I can take you to a buffet and I could feed you and feed you and feed you until you can't have it anymore. At one point when you can't take it anymore, there's going to be a mess on our hands. That's what happens with you stuffers. You're like, hmm. And then all of a sudden one day, Mr. Quiet, Mr. S- M- Miss, Miss, Miss Congeniality, all of a sudden is like, nobody can't believe where it came from. It was in there the whole time. You just finally let it out. Anger. People are so angry. And they, they get angry so quickly at stuff. Man, they stuff people. I broke up a fight one time, and this was crazy. I was driving to a grocery store here in the city, and um, I saw two guys looking at each other with rage in their eyes. They started walking towards each other fast, and I knew this was going down. I pulled my car out of the way, way out of the way, because I had my daughters with me, and I prayed, because I don't get involved in every fight, but I got involved in this one. And I prayed, Lord, Holy Spirit, should I get involved? I felt him say yes. I closed the door, said, girl, stay in the car, call the police, and uh, I run over there. And as I'm running over there, by, that, by this time, they are throwing blows. Boom, boom, boom. Big guys. And now they're, now they're on the ground. They're bleed, one guy's bleeding, blood coming out of his nose. I run up, honest to God, first thing I said, not joking, this is what I said, run up, imagine this, nighttime, fight in the parking lot, it's going down, tall skinny white guy runs up, I'm like, hey, God is not pleased with this. (laughs) Hold on a minute. (laughs) Honest to God, that's exactly what I said. God is not pleased with this. Stop it. And it shakes him like, they're like, what did he just say? (laughs) It was the perfect setting. Now break it up. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's, what's wrong? This is probably misunderstanding. And I break it up just enough for them to, to talk. And they're like, one guy was like, he was looking at me crazy. And the other guy was like, I wasn't looking at him all. <laughs> and I just start talking fast. I was like, listen, that happened to me one time. Some guy thought I was looking at him, but the sun was in my eyes. It was all crazy. <laughs> That's what happened here. There's not even an issue. But now you guys are grown men wrestling on the ground in a parking lot. I got my girls here. There's other families walking around. And all this is happening because of misunderstanding. By the end of me chatting, in one minute, they were shaking hands. Twice. Tw- knuckle. You good? One guy with a bloody nose. The other guy was like, you want me? I'm going to get you some tissue for that. There's another couple in our church. They watched the whole thing because they just arrived. They said, Sean, I've never seen the peace of God come on a situation like that before in my life. And I felt the Lord say, there's a certain level of authority that comes with the territory that I've given you. That we are peacemakers. But people, man, they just, they just get mad so fast. And I'm telling you, it pollutes your soul. James 4, James, again, the half-brother of Jesus goes on to write, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Some of you are like, Sean, that's easy. It's him. I'm sitting right by him. It's her. Here's what happens. When I ask you, what makes you so mad? Typically, we always point to other people. It's my boss. It's my teacher. It's my spouse. It's my parents. It's my kids. It's the government. We always point to somebody else. And it's never, it's never us. Okay, look at this. James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Verse 2. 
We point to everybody else, and God says, verse 2, it's you. It's you. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet. You cannot get what you want, so you quarrel, and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. It's interesting. Every fight I've ever been in, the common denominator, I was there. It was me. And we get to a place where James is saying, listen, this comes from your soul issues. It's you. Write this sentence down. There's no place in your notes on the side margin. All anger can be rooted in this sentence. You ready for this? You want something, but you don't get it. You want something, but you don't get it. All anger can be summed up in that one sentence. You wanted something, but you didn't get it. It's like when somebody cuts you off in the, on the freeway. They get in your lane. I know, your lane, the one you paid for, the one with your name on it. They cut you off. They're driving in your lane. And then you want to honk at them. I hate our, I hate my horn. I don't have a manly horn. I want like a manly horn. I've, I, I want like a horn that when I press on it, it's like a foghorn. Like, I want it to scare people. I want children to run. In, in fear. I want animals to cringe. I don't have that at all. I have a, I've driven Hondas for a long time. I've driven a minivan. And it's crazy because they don't have a strong, I don't know, they make a great engine, they make a horrible horn. Like, guys, can you not fix this? It's a pansy horn. I hate it when somebody cuts me off and I go to honk. I don't even honk anymore. Because when you honk, it's like, me, me, me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can I get over, please? I'm just, this, it loses all the effect. There's no joy in that. Me, me, please. And then they pull in your lane and they tell you with their hands, you're number one. You're like, oh yeah, well, spirit fingers to you, buddy. Spirit fingers to you too. We get so angry so fast. I'm telling you, this is going to make your soul sick. It gives you pain on the inside. And, and verse 2 says, what happens because you don't get what you want? You kill. Well, you're saying, Sean, I've never killed anybody yet. But you kill with your words. Kill, you destroy relationships. We, we use things that are so harsh. And here's what happens. You can change the environment. Like, you can get what you want. You can argue to get what you want, but it still doesn't change the way you feel on the inside because you're still mad. Like if the waiter got my food wrong, I can make a fuss and I can get what I want, but it doesn't change me. I still have a sick soul on the inside. Here's why, because the Bible says you didn't get God involved. You didn't ask God. Ask him to come in. Your sick soul does not come from your spouse. It didn't come from Washington, D.C. It didn't come from your waiter. The whole time we've been focusing on changing everybody else and God's saying, I've been waiting to change you and your heart and your soul. Come on, somebody say a good amen. amen. So toxin, here's another one. This is a big one. Maybe you weren't expecting this one. It's, it's worry. It's another toxin that comes in and you could even write fear next to that. Fear, worry, I want you to understand something. God never meant for you to carry this. You're not built to carry fear and worry. Your frame is not built for it. We're to cast our burdens on the Lord and he sustains us, Psalms 55, 22 says, because fear takes over. And some of you, man, honestly, you can't sleep. There's so much worry. 
anxiety. Some of you feel it on your head, headaches. Some of you feel it on your chest, your stomach. I'm having a heart attack. You're on medication. I'm telling you, you're worried about stuff that hasn't even happened. It's dominating your life. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious. Don't worry about anything. But in every situation, pray. That's what we're doing this season. It's 21 days of prayer. And even tomorrow at 6 a.m., 21 days of prayer. Lord, we're going to pray. We're going to bring our petitions to you. And with thanksgiving, we're going to make our requests known to God. Turn your paper over and you can see verse 7. Here's the promise. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, everybody, this is a peace you cannot get in a bottle. It's the peace of God that passes all, that transcends problems, situations, heartache. It transcends all of that, and it's a peace that you don't even understand why you have it. Your friends won't get it. Like, you just lost your job, girl. How come you have peace? I don't know. It's just something about God. I know he's got me. I've been faithful. I know he's going to give me what I need in due time. I just know it. There's a peace that comes. Why is this important to guard your heart? Well, Proverbs 4.23 says this. Keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it spring all the issues of life. Your entire being is affected by this area of your life. So if your soul is toxic, you got to find an effective way to get the toxins out and the right stuff in. I told you, number one, last week, we need God first. But number two, write, write this down as point number one today. And that is you need the right relationships in your life. You need the right relationships. Here's the deal. God never meant for it just to be you and him. That's not his plan. Like, it's just going to be you and him talking through your issues. No, he wanted you in a relationship with people. He designed small groups. He designed all this. And you need some relationships in your life. And that's why our small group semester kicks off September the 14th. Right after Labor Day, we're going to kick them off. We'll go for 13 weeks. And I'm asking every single one of you, I won't stop until we have 100% participation of everyone in the church in a small group, leading a small group, because it's so vitally important to your Christian walk that you're doing life with people, with people who love God and who are running the same way as you. I want to, this, this form is actually in the seat back in front of you. If you're in the front seat, it should be on, under your chair. I'd like you to take this out. And many of you to lead a small group. And you say, well, I can't lead a small group. I just gave my life to Jesus. Or I'm, I don't know, I haven't been to Bible college. Listen, you can gather for any purpose. Honestly, you can have a basketball small group. You can have a kickball small group. We've had a kickball small group. We have a dirt bike riding bike uh, small groups, dog walking. You can study the book of Romans if you want to. It doesn't matter. Take your passion, what you like to do, and gather some other people around you. And I guarantee you in that moment, through opening up with prayer, hey, guys, let's just pray for the day. Or, hey, hey, someone has a prayer request. Or, Here's a little verse I got this week, my devotional time. Let me share it with you, and then we're going to scrapbook together. There's going to be God moments that take place. That's why you can gather for any reason at our church in a small group, and what happens is God moments take place, and pretty soon you're running with people who are going the same way as you. I believe with all my heart James 5.16 is a nugget in the New Testament that many of us have overlooked. If you want forgiveness, 1 John 1.9 says you confess to God. He'll forgive you and cleanse you. But there's not a guarantee that you won't ever struggle with it again. Okay, look at me, everybody. James 5.16 has something to do to help you with that. You ready for this? 
Confess your sins, your faults one to another, and you will be healed. You want healing? It comes this way from relationships. Many of us don't have that in our life. You need some people in your life that you can call and be like, listen, I'm about to lose my mind up in here. (laughs) Some people you can call and say, I'm about to do something dumb, and they talk you off the ledge. No, 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 don't do that. That's dumb. Let me come over right now. You need some people in your life that can, that can, you can take the mask off and be real with. I've dreamt of a, of a church where we could just be real. We all have issues. Let's stop acting like we don't have them. And let's work on them together in the context of relationship and not in front of a thousand people up here where everybody's looking like, well, he, uh, he got issues. Well, guess what? You got them too. <laughs> the chances are many of you don't have that. Ask yourself, do you have that? Do you have a small group of people who love God and who are, who are able to, to speak into your life? Chances are we have the opposite of that. We have a lot of people who, who, who don't have God as first place in their life, and they're speaking to our life consistently and continually. Students, this is so important you get this on day one of school because there's so many students that want to speak into your life, and they don't have God first, and there's a lot of pressure, a lot of bullying, and a lot of other stuff. you got to take a stand on the first day and say, listen, I'm not running like that anymore. God's changed my life. It might mean that we can't hang anymore, but I'm just telling you, God's done an amazing work in me. He could do the same for you. There's got to be something because your friends determine the direction and quality of your life, one man said. Show me your friends, and I will show you who you are going to be like one day telling you it's just it's a given it's an axiom that will always be true proverbs 13 verse 20 says it says that that the wise you walk with the wise you become wise a companion of fools ends up in jail suffers harm you're gonna end up alone broken empty listen to me they're out there the people are out there that are bad influences and they want to come into your life, and they're waiting for you to come back. You have to make a decision right now. You want to get the toxins out? Start with the right relationships. Get in a small group. Lead a small group. And there's a small group training today right after this service at 1230 in the family worship room. You can learn how. If you're like, man, I want to leave one, but how? We'll, we'll, we'll teach you how today. And on top of that, we'll even give you a coach. So I want, I want to ask many of you to fill this card out. This is the last day to let us know if you want your small group to be in the directory. Let us know so that we can help you win your friends to Christ. Amen, somebody? Write this down. Number two, we need the right relationships, and we need a God-defined identity. A God-defined identity. Because God made you. Listen to me. God made you. He is the only one who can help you understand what that looks like. He's the only one. Don't allow your feelings to dictate your life. Your feelings are fickle, man. They're up and down, up and down. Don't live based on your feelings. Don't let culture define who you are. Have a God-defined identity. Genesis 1 says that you're created in the image of God. Ephesians 2.10 says that you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. And all this is coming together, compiling upon one another. You need to know who you are and what you are about. Because that, my friend, is vision, and it'll give you clear parameters in how to live your life. Galatians 6.4, let me read this out of the message paraphrase. Galatians 6.4 says, make a, a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Throw your life into this. Don't be impressed with yourself, and don't compare yourself to anybody else. Because if you define yourself 
you're by yourself, man, you're going to be in trouble. And if you don't allow God to define you, trust me, there's going to be a lot of other people in, in your life that would love to throw a def- definition at you and say, this is who you are. And I'm just telling you, our growth track can help you with that. 112 people started today. They're going to go through the growth track. They're going to discover their purpose. They're going to, they're going to find out what makes them unique, and they're going to get on a team and begin to serve. Give me four Sundays, everybody. Give me four Sundays. We'll help you with this. I promise you. Number two, number three, sorry. We need to live a crucified life. Yeah, not too many shouting on that. Some of us are like, what does that even mean, Sean? Jesus was crucified to a cross. Does that mean we got to die? I'm not saying we got to die. I'm not saying literally, but there's areas in our life where we should wake up every day and say, God, that area of me, that's not like you. I want to die to that. I want to die to my anger, my greed, everything else in me that's not like you. I die to that, God, and pray that out loud. And then Galatians 2.20 says this. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Well, of course he's living. He's writing this. But he says, Metaphorically speaking, I no longer live. It's not me. Let's read on. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Six days, everybody. Give me six days on this. Try this every day. Because we're living for something that's greater than us. Paul said it this way. I die daily. So every morning, wake up. Well, I'm dying to that. I know some people are going to rub me the wrong way today and make me mad, and, but I'm not pointing my fingers today. I want to give my life to you because we're living for something that's greater than where we are right now. Look at me, everybody. We're living for heaven. Heaven is reality. This world's not our home. Nothing in this world can permanently satisfy. Not one thing. Only God. You can try it. You can go out there and do everything you want to do, all the sin you want to do. I just, I'm just promising you, it's, it doesn't work. Sin doesn't work. There will be a time, a moment where you say, that was fun for a season, but now I'm broken, empty, I'm hurting. I need God. I'm not recommending you do that. I'm telling you today, right now, in your next breath, receive God as you, into your life and allow him to give you, write this down, an eternal perspective an eternal perspective where we're not just thinking about this life. We're thinking about heaven. We're storing up treasure in heaven. We're, we're running for heaven. We're, we're, we're loving people because we know heaven is reality. Colossians 3 says this, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. How many thank God for heaven? especially for your family members that have gone on, that have placed their faith in Jesus. We thank God that one day we'll be with our Savior. Just telling you, everybody, we got to get the wrong toxins out. we got to get the right stuff in. Have an eternal perspective. There's one more blank there for you to fill in. I'm not going to give you the blank. It's for you to fill in. Environments are important, but environments don't change lives. Environments give you an opportunity to make a decision And in this environment, you can make a decision that can change your life. A lot of people encountered Jesus. They were in the same environment as Jesus and walked away unchanged. But there's several people, thousands of people that came and they encountered Jesus and their life has never been the same. So today, what would you like to do? What's an action step for you? Maybe it's I'm going to jump in this 6 a.m. prayer this week. Write it down. Maybe I'm going to read my Bible first before I go on Instagram, Facebook, email. 
Maybe it's, uh, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to serve. I'm going to go through the growth track, get on the dream team, begin to serve. Whatever it is, write it down. Make a decision here today. And I'm believing that our best days are ahead of us because God is going to cleanse us, make us new, detoxify us for this next season. That's going to be amazing.